And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? Oh, God, I got a lot of legal problems. I got a lot of stuff going on. I'm not even sure how I'm going to handle it. Before I get too far into all the problems that I need to solve and how our guests are going to help us solve it, I do need to tell you that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Now, back to my issues, man. I So I've been going to court, not because I'm in trouble, but I'm just so fascinated with court reporters and how they use those funky keyboards to type so quickly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I figured that the best thing to, to, to do was to bring in some experts. And we happen to have one of Kansas City's up and coming companies, platforms, and two amazing ladies that are going to tell us all about today's subject, which is Stenovate. So with us today, we have Lauren Lawrence and Lee Zivanovich. I said that wrong, didn't I? Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> Zivanovich, yes. So <laughs> well, welcome to Startup Hustle, ladies. Thanks. Hi. How's it going? Sounds like you're uh, uh... getting through it. I got all these legal problems and, you know, I can't, I can't type fast enough to keep up with it, but I have a feeling that one of you has a solution for that. Yeah. Have, you, sounds like, sounds have like you actually it. been in a courtroom before? Have I? Yeah. Yeah, dude. And I'm not even going to tell you why. You really have? <laughs> oh yeah. I've never have been. Have you in not? A no, never. Oh my God. Oh yeah. I'm not going to get into that right now. So, well, let's start Let, Lauren, let's start and it, well, let's not get too far ahead. Go to stenovate.com S T N O V A T E.com. So you have some idea what we're talking about while you're listening. There's a link in the show notes. So Lauren, you're the founder CEO of Stenovate. Can you give us a little backstory about how all of this came to be? Yeah, I can do that. Um, so I was a really fast typer when I was in school. My mom was like, oh, my God, you know, everybody's mom thinks they're really special. And so I told my mom, like, I'm the fastest typer in my class. And she's like, I'm sure you are, sweetie. <laughs> and so uh, she suggested that I become a court reporter because she had a friend of hers. Her daughter was a court reporter. And my mom essentially said, I won't use her mom words. She basically said, like, this person makes bank and she has this really flexible work life. And, you know, you just get to write down everything everybody says. And I thought it sounded really boring. Uh, <laughs> long short, I ended up becoming a court reporter and I love it. It was, it's, it was like the best seven years of my life so far, like really, really cool stuff. Like I get to, uh, as another court reporter, I love put it, like I get to listen to really smart people argue and I don't have to take a side. So that's a lot of a lot of fun. Um, how, that, how old were you when you decided this? Where you're like in eighth grade and you're like, I want to be no lawyer, no astronaut, no no <laughs> court reporter. 
<laughs> yeah. So I think it was suggested to me at like freshman year ish. And then I looked into a bunch of other stuff and kind of kept coming back to like, I love to read. I do like legal, but I don't necessarily want to go be a lawyer. And then just kind of turned out like I fell into it and actually didn't know what I was getting into. Cause if you guys have ever seen a court reporter in court, they're using this crazy little machine. Um, some attorneys are like, yeah, that magic rocket ship. <laughs> so it's just, it gets called weird stuff, but it's, uh, you know, just a set amount of keys and it doesn't have any letters on it. And we actually use those keys to write uh, phonetically. So it's not about the way the word is spelled. It's the way the word sounds. It's like playing a piano in reverse. Like instead of me outputting sound, I'm actually taking the sound and putting it into the machine. And then it translates onto my laptop into English and I can write incredibly fast that way. So most people type an average of like 40 to 80 words a minute, but I'm certified at 225 words a minute. Wow. And so that's how we keep up with all of the millennial girls who are constantly saying like, which I'm going to do repeatedly throughout this podcast. But well, how, how fast do people talk during the court? I mean, do people talk 200 words a minute? Yeah, definitely. And that's a that's a pretty average, comfortable pace. 200 words a minute is common. Um, when you start to get up into 300, which happens, like that's when it gets like really, really crazy and uncomfortable. And it's like, you need to slow down. But the average speaking talk is probably somewhere between 160 and 200. Interesting. Okay, now we know you can type really fast and that you have a magic rocket ship of a keyboard and I don't understand how it's also super quiet. Yeah. yeah. Just completely blowing my mind here. <laughs> but what, when it comes to the, how did you arrive at, well, what made you want to start Stenovate? Like, well, what appealed to you about that? Cause you, as you mentioned, you know, court reporting is one of those interesting things. I've known you, long enough to know that that's a, a niche profession in some regards. And you can, you know, there's riches in the niches, as mm -hmm. they like to say, and you were, you, you know, doing well with that. Why dive into the world of startups and entrepreneurship? Yeah. Um, as I started to grow my personal court reporting business. So let me take one step back and say, most people automatically think that all court reporters work in a courtroom. Um, definitely not true. In fact, only 30% of reporters work in a courtroom and then the other 70% are out freelancing. So we're actually running our own small business. So I guess my first venture into entrepreneurship had already started the second I got out of court reporting school. And then I was working for court reporting agencies and they were basically dispatching me out to law firms or doctor offices or wherever they needed that a court reporter that day. And so um, basically to increase the capacity for how much work I could take, I started using people called scopists and proofreaders. And so a scopist, you can kind of consider them like an editor, you know, any writing process, you typically write it down the first time you edit it, you proofread it and you turn it in. And so it's the same workflow there for court reporting and legal transcripts. But in order for me to grow my business and be able to take more depositions and make more money, I figured out really quickly that you can outsource uh, the quote unquote homework, the court reporting homework, and then I could go take another job. And so that became the ideal workflow that I could really spend time writing on my machine rather than taking days off to stay home to edit and proofread. And there's actually 
a court reporting shortage right now. And so agencies actually struggle to cover all the work. And this is uh, really interesting because I'm saying this now in the midst of COVID. And so the the times have changed a little bit, but we know that um, over time it's going to ramp back up and there's going to be a shortage again. And so the need for Stenovate came about because I was having to run my business with multiple tools. And that meant using Excel to track everything, like who get, who do I owe money to? How much money am I owed? Have I been paid for that? What Where am I at in the process? Like, is it being edited? Is it being proofread? When are all these things due? Like, when is it due back to me for my Scopist and proofreader? When is it due to the client? You know, so there was just a lot of, it was a lot of project management. And so that's when I started to think like, wow, I really wish there was a tool that could help facilitate. And that's just one piece of, of Stenovate because then you have to think about like, well, I need to communicate with my teammates and we need to invoice each other and pay each other and do all of these things. And so while a, a lot of those features are already implemented into Stenovate and being used, we're still working on some other ones, but the, the goal is to get a platform that is truly all encompassing and, and helps alleviate that pain point of like having to manage your own small business with a million different tools. And nobody was servicing the freelance market of court reporters or even the, the governmental part too, but just the this community of transcript professionals, nobody was doing anything for them. And other traditional project management tools that you see on the market just weren't quite customized enough for us. And I just felt so much pain for this community because, first of all, I'm one of them. These are my friends. And they're all having to come up with this, like, a disjointed system. And they're all smart enough to make it work. But nobody was streamlining anything for them. And I just kept thinking, like, I would kill for a tool like that. And if I will, then I'm sure other people would, too. And so I started talking to people about that. And sure enough, they were feeling the same pains that I was. And that's how the idea of Stenovate came to be. So we've talked so much in the past about software needing good software and good software businesses start with a problem to solve. And you found that I, I, we've had conversations in the past about the, the niche nature of what you're doing. What size of a market is Stenovate serving or offering solutions to? Yeah, so there's not a, a ton of hard data on this, but what we've gathered is there's about 30,000 court reporters, and that's a statistic for the national, from the National Court Reporter Association, NCRA. And then we know that there's an unknown amount of Scopist and proofreaders. So, you know, give or take, if there's a one-for-one, a Scopist and a proofreader for every court reporter, we're looking at a market size of about 90,000. And then on top of that, there's 3,000 court reporting agencies out there and endless law firms. And so while, like, we definitely know my my main goal is to service these very underserved small business owners we hope that we can eventually grow into a platform that can also help solve uh, problems for these these upper levels as well agencies and law firms and we just really want to help the whole legal system move quicker and more efficiently and make sure all the jobs are covered because sometimes cases are actually delayed or trials are you know postponed because because of the court reporting shortage. I wouldn't say that happens to an extreme, but it is it is a, an issue sometimes where it's just hard. It, you know, it's a really a pain point for the court reporting 
calendar scheduling type people like they really you know and that's that's a pain point in any industry if you've ever worked in a restaurant the person who has to manage everybody's schedule like i just feel for them so that's a a pain point in our industry too much like others so I, I think one of the things that's very interesting about your story is uh, you you have been very scrappy about funding, finding supporters, investors, stuff like that. I think it's a it would be a very interesting to our listeners if you could give uh, you can give a kind of a rapid fire timeline if you want, but other than funding a lot of this yourself, you went after a lot of grants and other things that are available here locally and have successfully acquired some of that. You can give everyone a brief overview of how you, how you acquired local resources. Yeah. I mean, this is the part where I really have to hand it to the startup, the KC startup community. Uh, there's a really a lot of cool programs in place that help out, um, especially for people who have different ideas and they'll hear these ideas. And so um, one example is Pure Pitch Rally. That's actually where we got our start. That's hosted by um, Karen Finneroli and they've got a lot of really cool sponsors, but it's this event where they have land sharks come in and every land shark has a thousand dollars and they can uh, select their favorite pitcher and give them that thousand dollars to get started. And then you guys come in and also sponsor and usually give away some sort of development credits. And um, that actually was how we Stenovate got our start. And so that was extremely exciting. And then we had actually previously pitched to Digital Sandbox before going to Pure Pitch Rally and failed. You know, they said, hey, you're too early in your idea. You need to go think about it and go do these six things and then come back and pitch again. And so uh, between those pitches is when I went to Pure Pitch and had some success there and got some funding through through you guys with the development credits and then some land shark money and then went back to Digital Sandbox and got a grant from them. And so those are like amazing, amazing resources when you're just trying to get to that proof of concept idea and get a little product out there just to test. And so that was phenomenal. And then there's other really neat up and coming things like Fountain Innovation Fund. And so uh, Maggie Kennefake leads that and she just does a phenomenal job of, of looking for the most promising startups and then um, you can apply to pitch to them. And then they have a, a sophisticated investor panel that will hear pitches. And so, you know, again, there's just, and I think just the community, the KC community, there's angel investors and they, they talk, it's not a huge community. And so it's, it's neat to be part of that and to get to take advantage of people who are very gracious with their time and who will listen. And even if they won't fund you, they might give you amazing advice. And so I'm just, I'm really grateful that we got to start this company where we, where we have, like Kansas city has been awesome. You know, there's a great, uh, Facebook group called startup KC and I have to give you kudos for probably having the most hustle out of just about every entrepreneur in town. I don't know how many times I've seen you on there saying, Hey, I'm trying to do this thing. Who can help me? Or I need feedback from this or whatever. And, and really utilizing that community and the resources. So a lot of kudos to you for, uh, you know, hustling to get, to get help from people. And I'm, and I think they probably do. Right. More yeah. often than not. So 
Yeah, like like I was saying, like even if it's not funding, it's amazing just like how willing this community is to say like, well, here's been my experience. This is what worked for me. I would recommend this based on what you said. And sometimes that, alone, and that's actually how I got connected with Lee too. I think I had said, yep. you know, I need some help with X, Y, Z. And somebody said like, hey, I think, you know, you should talk to Lee Zuvenich. And so I reached out and, and that's how we connected as well. And now she's my COO and I'm so glad. Yeah. It, and I, have a, I had a couple questions for Lee about that. So Lee, you, you entered this situation and, and, and this is not, I mean, this is typical as startups get some stuff going and start moving on. Um, you know, what's what's the experience like coming in as a COO into something that's early stage? And what were some of your top priorities for making it a real business and not just a concept? Oh, that's a great question. So it was pretty familiar to me because I've started and run a few other businesses on my own. And then for the last several years, I've been a product owner or project manager at some small um, tech agencies here in town. So I would often end up reaching up into their void if they couldn't afford a COO or if they just, everyone was kind of wearing multiple hats, I would end up doing operations for, for them as well. So when I met Lauren, I just started laying out every gap that I saw. And I was like, I don't know if it, I'm the right person for the job, but let me just hand you a list of everything that I think you need to go and do next. And it was just getting, you know, processes in place and being good at documenting things and making sure your team is optimized to be efficient. Um, things that I was doing all day long that I really enjoyed. And I think she resounded with that, said, yeah, I agree. I need this. Um, let's make it work. And uh, that was really exciting, but I had to spend, I think it was another eight months working full time at an agency while working part time for Stinovate before I could just see that we had enough runway to make the switch. And it was really exciting for both of us when I was able to come on full time. Yeah, and I know that that input and that help has been really meaningful for Lauren because um, I saw her get choked up talking about it. Do you remember that, Lauren, yeah. when you were getting yeah. an award for one being one of Kansas City's top startups? And I really, but it was touching because you know, it, it, you know, founders get you get a lot going on, and a new business doesn't come with an owner's manual. That this isn't a franchise, and that that's why I asked the question for you, Lee. Is it, and I think a lot of people that want to start a business don't realize that, and that any time and every time something happens for the first time. It's exactly that. It's the first time that it's occurred. Where's the priority? Who, where, what, why, when, all of that. So I, Lauren, was that a huge, what, did that feel like a huge weight off of your back to have someone help you with some of that? Did it make life feel less overwhelming? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, even in a niche community where I feel like our community does support each other and back each other as far as like, you know, our potential customer base, but you're still doing it alone and like you're trying to, you know, build things for them, but they're not like building it with you. And so that like you, you, you just feel by yourself and it's like every decision, sometimes the weight of like just total failure, like you're done, you quit, like that's all on you. And so then you have to decide like, well, do I keep pushing by myself? And then you have to ask yourself things like, am I crazy to pursue this? I mean, there's a lot that goes on in entrepreneurship. That's like, 
dirty and sticky and hard and you got to push and you know what's that i can't think of the, the guy's hustle. name <laughs> yeah it's the hustle exactly and so it's oh the hustle you know so when when lee you know lee and i actually went through a whole process of you know getting her to to be fully on board and it was it was a huge relief when that moment came and she's like, yeah, I mean, and not only did she just come in, she invested personally. And that just means so much to me. Like not only is she willing to come and, you know, dabble in this startup and then like go in, like quit her day job and come in, but for her to also invest her own personal money and say like, I believe in this and I think your cause is good. And I want to help all these, you know, small women owned businesses grow their businesses and help them do more, but stress less. I mean, like she was fully on board with the mission and to have somebody else like standing side by side with me to do that just means everything. Cause then, you know, for the first time, it's like, I'm not alone. Yeah. And that's, that, that's the gospel truth. There's, uh, there's some validation that comes with being able to add some full-time help as well. Um, so I have a question for you, Lee. Mm-hmm. What you you mentioned having to kind of you were doing a little part time input, a contributor stuff like that. Was it scary to to bail from the world of a full time job and a and that secure feeling of a paycheck? We say sometimes you have to jump and then build wings, but what was what was that like? Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. So I'm a single mom of teenagers and one of them is in private school and the other one hopefully will be there too. Um, I feel like I'm carrying a lot that I have to just keep stable. So it was terrifying, (laughs) but I have started other businesses and supported my family as a single parent, you know, for the last 13 years, um, successfully. So I just had to lay awake at night a lot of nights and turnover in my head. Like I know what I want to do, which is to go and help build Cinovate because I really do believe in it. I know it's going to be successful. I just, you know, was like, man, I hope I don't miss my chance because this is going to be great. Um, so I had to just make it work on paper. And then once, because I'm pretty analytical, I think that's something that Lauren and I both saw that I could bring. I mean, she she is too, but I, I get really into the numbers. And um, <laughs> so that's what I would do is, I know that I've got the desire. I know that I've done this before. I've proven to myself that I can support my family as a business owner. So, you know, what stands in my way? Is it Stinovate? Do I need the concept to be proven out? Like, you know, and I was able to go over and over with Lauren for months. Yes, the users want it. Here's what we know. Here's what we're seeing. So then I just had to make sure we had the financial runway. And we had a really interesting, you know, kind of, series of events where it came to a head and we were just waiting and waiting to close on some funding. And it was some funding that came in that needed a match. I was able to invest and help us get to that match. And it unlocked the runway that we needed for me to come on. And it was just really exciting and joyful at that point for me to make that leap. And then a pandemic hit. Yep. <laughs> well, and we and, launched in the middle. And we launched right in the middle of it. Yep. Well, and I think that's I think that's a good conversation that we should have is how how has the pandemic helped or hurt your business and what court reporters do? You know, have have the courts shut down the last couple months? Yeah, like this is such a crazy, crazy topic. So so first of all, um, 
we we actually talk a lot, Lee and I do, about just court reporting, and it's it's a counter cyclical profession. I mean, that's really weird, and I often make this joke um, that it's one of the few things that like spikes at times of uh, recession or economic downturn. And what I always say is like <laughs> nothing goes up more than you know cigarettes and alcohol and court reporting in the times of recession. <laughs> And it is like people drink more, they smoke more, they're all stressed out. And then also people sue each other more. And so it's really, it's really wild that grandma um, died of coronavirus at 88. She, <laughs> we're suing. Yeah, we're going to sue. And it's, it's all sorts of, and you wouldn't, you would just be shocked at like headlines. I mean, I know like the state of Missouri has sued the country of China, you know, it's just yeah. like sometimes it's such bizarre things, but just because the lawsuit is filed it has to be explored and then there's going to be a slew of depositions because of every single case and so not only so what's happening currently in the industry is everything is kind of postponed so even though we're typically a counter-cyclical industry this is the first time ever that like you know at least in my lifetime that i've seen like a pandemic that we're all just locked up and can't work so that's been really bizarre and there has been a big shift to starting to work more remotely, but of course it takes time for law firms and court reporting agencies and everybody to put those practices in place to really get more and more efficient and for people to adopt those practices. And so that's been interesting, but we've seen an influx in that. Um, and I would say just now they are finally starting to kind of roll back into like, hey, we're gonna go out and actually do a deposition again. So how it's affected us, I mean, court reporters are just, but like we're a collaboration platform and a project management platform. And we are literally designed to help them, especially as they are buried in work. We want to help them outsource. We want to help them get organized because normally they are just very stressed out. Like I just am constantly seeing Facebook posts from our community that say that sometimes it's the funniest stuff. Like I can't keep a boyfriend because all I do is work, you know? <laughs> Watson so, said that to me yesterday. Yeah, same problem. <laughs> I got the same problem. Uh, yeah. real. So, so like that's kind of the sentiment sometimes amongst the court reporters is they miss out on so many life experiences, not just boyfriends, you know, but like seeing their kids or, you know, like uh, an attorney will ask like, hey, at the end of a deposition, they'll say, hey, can I get this 300 page transcript finalized by tomorrow? And like that sends a pit into like every court reporter's stomach when they're like, oh my God, I have to stay up all night now to crank out this transcript unless they have a solid system and a team in place. And that's when you look at that attorney and you smile and you're like, I'll do that for you. And you call your two scopists and you call your two proofreaders and you're like, guys, I got a rush job. I'm going to pay you extra because I'm going to make extra because they're asking something crazy and we're going to charge more. And so that's when like, court reporters like as they get more seasoned and they build a team and they get a system in place they become like elite and they can go and do more but that's where stenovate comes in is because we help systematize and streamline everything and so it's weird in this pandemic because nobody's working nobody's collaborating nobody's doing it so we've launched and we've had 90 new users um, join the platform, even though nobody's working, which is really cool to see them like still curious, still interested. And we, you know, really hope that we consistently see people keep at, and we do every single day. We have new, at least a new user or multiple new users 
sign up and it's it's neat but like i can't wait until like they're actually busy again and then we get to see what they do with the system and it's really fun now because we get to start gathering feedback from them and you know even more feedback than just just the original beta testers and so it's exciting yeah and we we oh go ahead no please i was just gonna say that stinnovate was launched to solve the problem of court reporters needing a better process because they were overworked but what i think is really interesting is even though the work is slow right now and it might be slow for a while for them you know until things um you know move to online or whatever needs to happen for work to pick back up we just talked to a user a couple days ago who said you know i'm really enjoying the downtime getting to be with my family more and i don't want to have to go back to that hectic case again and that's another thing that stinnovate will do for people they're going to be able to offload basically their homework of scoping and proofing their transcript so that means they're going to still be able to take on work well and make good money but work less and i think if people enjoy the work-life balance they're finding as things are slow they'll be able to use stinnovate for that too so yeah. The platform itself as a marketplace, is that what you see it being in the long run as a place where the participants can go and find new work and clients, or is it more about the workflow efficiency? Uh, I mean, it's truly twofold. Like that is how I have to explain it. It's like, it's, it all is amazing because it is one system. So not only can you like get on there right now? And if you have a team, excellent. Like you literally just invite your teammates and you guys are good to go. Like we've implemented uh, all the tools they need to like streamline their workflow and get real clarity about like where every job is at, how many pages everything is, how many pages are in your backlog. Um, but the beauty of Stenovate is not that it's just this great project management platform. It's also an, a network, a network of professionals who are, you know, at the point we turn on the subscription, you know, it's it's a paid professional platform. And so the people who are in there are serious about taking care of their jobs and, you know, making sure that they have the resources to support their business. And that's what they have access to in Stenovate. And they can actually filter by like the job title they're looking for and what software they're on so they can find compatible people and then it's the full blown the full blown system so you can find the help but then you can also get the work done right within one platform so i i see it being both and we hope we continue to just grow that community because the more users come like that's the stronger that community is the more availability there is to to find somebody um, and you know we've talked a lot about like from the court reporter perspective because that's that's natural for me because i'm a court reporter but from the scoping and proofing perspective, like they, they, you know, nobody, no court reporters, I shouldn't say none, but less court reporters are working right now. And at least not at the velocity that they were before. And so the scopists and proofreaders are really looking for work. So if you have a court reporter who likes Stenovate and is in Stenovate, it's wildly beneficial to go into Stenovate as a scopist and proofreader and then look for court reporters in that system because again, it just streamlines everything. And now you don't have to worry about all those extra tools like Dropbox for transferring files and Excel for organizing everything. We, we take care of all of that for you. So it cuts out all the administrative pieces for whether you're hiring or you're looking for work. It's 
it's all there for both of them. Yeah, one of the things that I learned founding Gigabook was, well, first I thought that people would put a high value on on creating efficiency in their business. Mm-hmm. I learned pretty quickly that the subscriber would, would be willing to pay 10 times more if they thought it was going to, quote, make them more money, meaning mm-hmm. like help them find work or collect money or something like this. Now, saving money is making money, but as far as user adoption and stuff like that, if it's so much easier to build a subscriber base if the participants and the subscribers think that they're going to get work out of it. Um, it's very interesting. I thought it would, I, I didn't, I underweighted that myself in my own process. What's something in your planning process that you underestimated either it's ease or anything else uh, along the way. We always, we always figure a few things out. Yeah. Lee, do you have anything that comes to mind? Well, we, we're building some features right now that um, <laughs> <laughs> we thought were simple, but we're pretty complex. Um, so I don't know if you want to talk about our roadmap, if that's under wraps, but yeah, as usual, every feature always grows. <laughs> right? Once you get started digging into it. Yeah. So I, I don't mind talking about this at all. It's actually pretty comical. Um, so we have decided to implement. So what we realize is we have this amazing marketplace, uh, you know, network of professionals, and then we have all of these tools, but what we really didn't have was like a, a place that they could all connect together. And so we realized like, Hey, as this, uh, networking platform there's nowhere for them to network and so you know when you think of linkedin it's like this great platform of professionals and then we've whittled it down to be like well hey this is like linkedin for transcript professionals but they don't have feeds and you know that kind of linkedin thing and so it was funny because i told lee i said if they could literally just write text and post it and somebody could comment on it like a 90s you know forum Like, that'd be really cool. Like, at least then they could, like, communicate with each other and have this little space to do that. And so that would also um, solve some some business problems because they want to post, for example, like a job, like, hey, I have a 100-page transcript and I need help. I'm looking for a proofreader, right? Like, that's what they're doing currently on Facebook. And so I told Lee, like, if they could just post text. Well, then like Lee, who is a product owner (laughs) through and through, who knows how to write all these user stories and like dig into every feature, like she starts thinking about things like, oh, well, in the future, we're going to want to be able to search this feed and we're going to want to be able to like use hashtags and like the database and all of a sudden, you know, like we're way off in left field of like what this, like just how to even set up the feeds and then it gets very technical. And so all of a sudden, you know, like we both just stopped at one point where we're like having a zoom meeting and we're like, so we're building Facebook <laughs> into <Yeah. state."> yep. <laughs> So Probably better. You realize that early than halfway through it. I mean, well, that's, that's not uncommon with software companies is, is <laughs> you can get, I mean, you, you mentioned left field, you can be over the fence in the parking lot, maybe not even in the same, in the next vicinity <laughs> and that can really get you out i mean it's and and that's that's always a question is is the why of why are you building and i think that after 10 years of doing this i realized if it's not going to help me keep users or attract new ones then it's probably not worth building like mm-hmm. it's a luxury yep. item if other things that could do one of those two or potentially both could 
occur in front of it. So yeah, well, good luck with that. So Steno book will be launching at sometime sometime this fall. Is that are we the first? Are we breaking the news there? Yeah, yeah, we're now Steno book. All right, <laughs> so I've been asking I've been asking you to be on the podcast for a year, and you're finally here. We've got we've got a a, a product open at stenovate.com go check it out there's a link in the show notes but i can't let you get out of this episode without you two playing mixtape oh yeah (laughs) mixtape the mixtapethegame.com beta app in ios or android i have drawn a card and for those of you wondering matt it's a physical card today from the mixtape deck i'm going to read a scenario we're all going to name a song We'll vote for who the winner is. You may not vote for yourself. The best song to listen to while hanging drywall at the new McDonald's. Can we just jump in whenever we're ready? Yeah, go for it. Yo, go for it. Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm going with Taking Care of Business. Yeah, that's a great one. All right, I'm going with the Seven Dwarfs with Hi Ho. <laughs> I just would have to throw in some classic like Ice Ice Baby into the mix. Ah, yeah, respectable. It feels, it feels right. I never, I almost never do this. It's almost my policy to never do this, but I'm gonna vote for Watson. Ooh. <laughs> hi ho, hi ho! It's I'm gonna have to second that. <laughs> you win, man. All right, I win. Lauren doesn't even want to vote. Look, yeah. look how look how like non-political that was. She's like, you just you won. You can vote for you can vote right. for Watson. You, you guys, are. I am a trained court reporter who is just I'm supposed to be unbiased. I'm impartial. I'm just there to write the words. So I'm very non-political. <laughs> we clearly the important thing to know. I was going to say the important thing to know is that Matt probably had the best selection. <laughs> there now i'm holding this card i wish i had that letterman effect where i could like throw it and it would make the the glass crashing sound i I know where's the production value in this thing so anyway congratulations watson is that two in a row maybe oh man second longest winning streak you've ever had in mixtape all right once again with us today we've got lee and lauren CEO, COO, Stenovate, go to stenovate.com. While you're there, head over to your favorite form of social media. You can find them at stenovate.us on the gram, at Stenovate on Twitter. Follow them on LinkedIn. Do some stuff while you're there. If you want to confirm that Matt and I both have faces made for radio, go to the at Start Apostle Podcast Instagram can listen to this on YouTube. It's out there, people. Go find it. Now, before we get into the Founders Freestyle, quick reminder, today's episode is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. We end our episodes with the Founders Freestyle. We're going to pass the mic around. I'm going to let Lee go first because I want her to feel important. Oh, thanks. And in charge. 
Now, with the Founders Freestyle, we talk about a lot of stuff here on the show. So this is your however long you take to drop whatever knowledge, comments, anything. You can even sing Watson's winning mixtape song if you want. Uh, Lee, what would you like to to say to the founders out there? (laughs) I think I'll let Watson sing us off. Um, Oh, I hope so. (laughs) I guess uh, I was just thinking to myself as you're dropping our social links, reach out. Lauren and I, if you have questions, if you know, I know that she, I've seen her do this with other people, they'll reach out and say, I am so inspired by you. I want to build something myself and I don't even know where to start, but um, let me tell you my idea. And she's all ears. She's so supportive. And uh, I also, I'm in this because I want to support these small businesses that are just, you know, some of these women don't even realize they're a business owner. They just are trying to get their job done and outsource some of the work but they really are CEOs. And um, there's a lot of people out there who maybe are still realizing their potential and could use, um, you know, a a listening ear. So I'm always available if you want to reach out to us on any of our social platforms and just to hear your idea or tell you what I think. I am a serial entrepreneur. I believe in failing forward. I think you should, you know, just keep doing what you are passionate about and surrounding yourself with other people that are ethical doers in your community. And if you do that, then you will be successful, but you just got to stick with it. All right, Lauren, you're up. Oh gosh. Um, thank you, Lee. That was lovely. Um, I think, uh, you guys, I think we lost your audio there, Lauren. Oh, hey, 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 sorry. <laughs> um, I was just saying, first of all, I said, thank you, Lee. That was lovely. <laughs> um, I think if you guys are, you know, asking for my best advice, I think you, Watson already touched on it. It's, you know, you just have to ask for help. Like sometimes, you know, it's it's hard to, to just say like, hey, I have this idea and I want to go do this. And do you support it? And then my second thing and any startup book will tell you this. I just thoroughly believe in this, that you have to talk to your potential customer and you have to figure out like, is this worth chasing dreams for and the, the all the hard work and sweat and tears and sleepless nights that are going to go into it. And if you're cool with that and passionate about it, that's when you go do it. And then, you know, you just keep talking to people throughout the whole process because you're always able to get new insights from from those people, especially, especially your customers, they're going to tell you what they want. And to Lee's point about just like being all ears, like if you just listen, it's amazing what can, can come from those conversations. And at the end of the day, um, you know, with everything going on, I just think humanity is pretty incredible as a whole. And so if we all just work together, it's, it's really awesome what, what we can do as a team. And in addition to that, you're nothing without your team. Like, surround yourself with people who, um, you know, are, are hard workers and thoughtful and kind. And, you know, when you can build a team you trust, which, you know, is something that I think is hard for me to let, let go of because it's my baby, but like, that's so critical to like find people that I can say like, Hey, I, I believe in you to go do this. And then to empower them to go do that. That's, um, where magic really starts happening. So that's a that's my knowledge drop. So Matt, I I believe in you, <laughs> and I believe that you're going to drop some knowledge. So Master Watson, 
So there are, you know, thousands of people sitting around today. They're like, you know, it'd be really cool if I could do this. And you're like chit-chatting with your friend and you're drinking a beer and your friend's like, yeah, man, that would be cool. <laughs> and then nobody literally does it, right? Yeah. Who actually did it? You're like, you know what? I'm going to build this shit. And your friend's <laughs> like, you're crazy, man. And you're like, nope, I'm doing it. And you did it. And then you convinced Lee, who probably also said you were crazy, to join you. And <laughs> the, the most amazing part about this is you wanted to start a software business. And you don't yeah. know anything about software, right? No. Didn't. Didn't, Didn't. right? And so that that in itself is a huge undertaking and hurdle to get past. And we could probably do a whole episode where you just shared your knowledge on how hard it was to being a founder of a software company, but not coming from a software engineering background, right? I mean, oh man, Lee and I could talk to you about that all day. Like it's been really fun bringing. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, we could we really could. Like if you guys knew some of the things I was doing with full scale devs, like the way I was like having them, like the way we were like transferring knowledge and stuff, like it's just laughable now because then Lee's come in and like given me multiple wrist slaps. It was like, yeah. <laughs> just so, what are you doing? And it was, but it was working, but it was very unconventional and there's definitely better ways. And so, yeah, I mean, that, that, there could be a whole podcast. That's my point is, is it's really difficult to go from this idea to actually doing it and then building software when, when, you know, the founders of the company don't have a technology background, but there are a lot of people that want to do this that really struggle to ever get it done it's really really difficult and so you guys from that perspective you ladies have already gotten way past that you know big hurdle that a lot of people never get past so congratulations on that part and you've got the you've got some of the scars and the stories for sure to go with it um so that along with your your hustle in the community i think are both a huge success so thanks matt i'm gonna agree with everything you just said i think that uh you know, not only is Lauren's story is a can do tale and so many of the situations that you just described, we're sitting around, we're having a beer, we're talking about how we're going to do it. It involve can't. They're not, people don't actually take action on stuff. It is the easier thing to quit or to give up or take the safe solution. And Lauren, I really just want to commend you on the courage, the tenacity, the ability to like not give up because Hey, I've been there. So is Mad. So is Lee. Like there, there was a million instances in your mind where you, you could have quit, and then in the reality, could have followed up with that. And that's what I love about founders that are passionate about their business and their solution. Because you're passionate about it, you got through it. And if you're not passionate about the business that you want to start or your idea then no one's going to want to be involved with you because people that know what's up know you're going to quit when it gets hard. And the people that I've talked to, and I, I've had the privilege of talking to many of your supporters, investors, and, and other people all say the same thing. And then adding Lee with it too, now they're referring, they're talking about Lee as well. And you have this amazing dynamic where you have found some of the things that you weren't experienced at this is her strong point. This is your strong point. And that's what makes a good founding team. That's you got to find people that, that, that not only want to, okay. Lee said something earlier that is foreign to me. She says, I just love operations and all these other things. And I'm like, Oh God, that's like, ah. <laughs> find people that, that 
find people that fix your flaws. And, you know, that if you start to do that, now you're on to something and find people that are passionate about your mission. So once again, all continued success. I wish you all the best with your continued success. Go to standabate.com, check out what they're doing. They got an open invitation to communicate and give some feedback. Uh, keep up with what's going on. I think you're going to, I think you're going to do some great things, Lauren and Lee. I, I got to get back to rescheduling my court date now, Matt. I'll uh -oh. see you guys next time. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Like we do it.